It felt like my soul had been someplace else for a really, really long time. I entered into the eye of the storm of grief that I had been carrying. I, I began to cry. The littlest thing would just send me into an anxiety spiral that, like, it's just one little thing. Why is this little thing ruining my day? Elicinia is a unique psilocybin retreat based in Mexico with a focus on meditation, neuroscience, and brain health. I had zero doubt that this was something that I was going to go through and actually do. That self-compassion sort of has trickled into every little part of my life. I hadn't laughed that hard in so long. The profoundness with which I experienced like reality, the magnitude of the beauty was just completely overwhelming. Zach, thank you so much for coming to the show. Can you tell the audience a little bit about who you are and why you decided to come to Elocinia? Absolutely. So I am, I just turned 40 this year, have lived in the South of the United States my pretty much my entire life out of a little bit of traveling that we've done. Good old Bible Belt here and grew up with a lot of, you know, those influences on my life. And I am married and we have one daughter who is five years old and we have gone through a lot of trauma pretty much since she's been born. So for about the past five and a half, six years, uh, we've gone through uh, just, just a lot of difficult situations. And I would say that uh, what led us to Eleusinia was mainly my wife doing the research her finding it, uh, she is very, very sensitive. Um, the most sensitive person that I've ever met in my life. And so obviously she felt the trauma a lot more deeply than I did and started doing the work of dealing with that a lot more than I have. And so she started to look into the retreat. And so for me, it was mainly about going to support her in that. I, I don't ever like to tell her that I think something's a good idea and then not either try it with her, or do that with her. I really want to support her through that. So that was kind of the, the first thing that I was thinking, but then I have started to see a counselor because whereas my wife is very, very sensitive, I am probably the, you know, the opposite of that. I try not to feel things too deeply unless it's just joy. Certainly the more difficult of the emotions, I just go, oh, let me just like cram that down and deal with it later. But started going and seeing a therapist within the last couple of months. And, and so I thought, you know what, the, going on this retreat might also have some really good benefits for me to process through some trauma, just to deal with some issues. So I would say those are the two things for me. It was to, to support my wife, but then also trying to go in with an open mind and say, let's, let's see what happens. Let's see if some other really good things come for this, from this personally for me as well. So you say that you grew up in the South and you grew up in the Bible Belt and that was your whole community and your identity. So this this feels like it was outside of the box for you. Like how how did that feel? Absolutely. Yeah. Grew up with a with a family that was very, very heavily into moralistic behavior and doing the right thing and following the rules. And obviously I, I got good at hiding the bad things that I was doing from, from my family and, and from the church. But I, you know, I would say that 
a lot of that morality did sink in. You know, I try to be a person who follows the rules and who abides by the laws because I know that that at the heart of most of the rules and the laws that we have, there's good intentions behind that. And and so, but that was that was kind of how I grew up. I never never got drunk, never drank before I was 18, never did any drugs. And so, yeah, this was this was definitely a big paradigm shift for me. I would say also growing up in the late 80s and the early 90s was definitely like a, a just say no kid. <laughs> and so I would take that, you add the morality to it, and I'm like looking down my nose at people who are doing mushrooms and things like that. Like, oh, that's just just a bunch of weird hippies just doing something that's irresponsible would definitely be the mindset that I would have taken going into something like this if my wife had not done the research, if I had not to kind of start to deconstruct some of those ideas as well myself and just realize like, oh, okay, a lot of times the government just kind of makes arbitrary choices for what they say is, is good and bad and right and wrong. And I would say even, you know, growing up in the church, I've recognized that as well, that folks who go to church, basically they have their list of like sins that they like tolerate and sins that they don't tolerate. And so I've started to kind of see the the hypocrisy in that. And so, but yeah, I, on, on like a gut level for me was like, wow, am I really going to go to Mexico and do mushrooms? Like that was, yeah, pretty, pretty bizarre kind of thought to have based off of the first 40 years of my life. <laughs> you say your wife did the research. Did you take a look at it and decide that it sounded like a legit good place? Or did you trust her own judgment and trust her research? Because I know that I know her and I know she's a good researcher. Sure. I, I certainly have learned to trust my wife's research and her judgment, trust her gut. That's kind of the way that we that we refer to it. Meeting with the folks on staff with you guys was also, that was a big part of giving me confidence in this. And it's funny when you get a new car or a car that's new to you, you know how you notice that same car on the road all the time while you're driving around. It was the same way as, as I started to think about psilocybin, I started noticing it in podcasts that I was listening to and books that I'm reading, just popular culture. I was like, wow, this is something that is, that's a lot more comment and a lot more research and a lot more thought through than that maybe I had thought about in the past. So yeah, I started to started to open my mind about it once I, you know, once we kind of looked at all the different factors. So I'm curious, I know that you mentioned that your wife is one of the most sensitive people that you know. So were you feeling like you were there to support her all the way up until the ceremony began? Like you didn't have much thought about your own process or did you start to contemplate what it might mean for you? No, I did. I, I knew that, I mean, anything in life I feel like that is excellent and worth doing takes a lot of work. And so that I knew that if I just kind of phoned this in and I, and I didn't really put the effort in that it wasn't going to be that great. And so, yeah, I was certainly, I was certainly thinking about it beforehand. I, I, I thought through a couple of kind of important things that I was like, all right, I hope that this is what I can kind of think through um, so that I went in with a game plan. And then I would say your staff also does a really good job of kind of setting the, the stage as well. feels like there's no 
conversation that happens there that's by accident. There's no part of the retreat that is random. It's all thought through really well, but not in a forced way. It's not like we had our our workbooks out and we're all filling in the blanks. So it, it wasn't just a one size fits all thing, but everything was very intentional, which I really appreciated that by the time we got to the actual day where we were doing the different things, we had a very good idea of, of kind of what it was going to look like. And we were prepped very well, especially, and I, I was really surprised by how well the breathing exercises helped with that, where it was really getting you not just mindset prepared, but body prepared as well. And, and I had just listened to a podcast about the, the book, the body keeps the score. And so that was, that was fresh on my mind as well. But yeah, I, I would say that was, that was really, really beneficial just to go ahead and be thinking it through, be preparing for that and not just going in and hoping for the best, but, but really trying to um, do everything that I can for this to be a good experience. And when you got to Ellisonia and you arrived with your wife in your room, was it beginning to unfold the understanding that you were going to really have your own experiences and you were going to kind of have to let her fly in her own journey and you were going to go about in yours? Is that what you were thinking? Absolutely. And, and I would say a big reason for that was because when you get there, you see that it's a safe space. You see that it's a comfortable space. You see, like I said, it's an intentional space. And that gave me a lot of confidence that, okay, I can do my thing. Hannah can do her thing. And that's going to be okay because she's, she's going to be well cared for. She's going to be protected. She's going to be just fine. And in a lot of ways that gave me freedom to be able to to experience it myself as well, that where I wasn't just thinking like, okay, I need to keep one eye on what I'm doing, one eye on what Hannah's doing. I was like, wow, I can really be fully in this moment myself because of the work that, that you guys put into it. So that was really, really good. And so from your upbringing, you really haven't had much experience with your own spirituality outside of the church, right? You came to Alicinia and then you met our Corandera, which is a little outside of the box, you know, the traditional Mexican way of kind of providing and doing a blessing over the mushrooms and she does the blessing over the ceremony. How was that feeling when you were sitting for ceremony day and it was just more of a traditional different aspect? Were you just feeling all in and, and comfortable and at peace and totally ready? It's interesting because the faith that I grew up with kind of initially as a child and even into middle school and high school was definitely one of just believe this because we tell you to, it's the thing that you've always done. But I, I kind of stepped away a little bit from that with, with some good friends in high school who went to a different denomination and they encouraged much more of like, you need to, you need to know more about what you believe. You need to be able to, to really defend it. I, I would say is the way that they would put it. And, and so I was encouraged to to not only just know what I believe, but to look at a lot of other things. And I would say that's beneficial because it made me, it made me well-rounded where I, I'm not one of these people who's just kind of like, well, I know what I know and the rest of it is just wrong. You know, I, I'm able to kind of put things into a historical context. And, and so that was, that was good. And then recently in the, in the last couple of years, as my wife and I both started to kind of deconstruct our faith. And like I said earlier, started to kind of see the hypocrisy and the, the chinks in the armor there. 
I've been able to open my mind a lot more and, and, and realize like, wow, it's really, really arrogant for anyone to say like, this is the way things are. I've lived for, for 40 years on this planet where you know, that's, that's been here for millions of years and, but I've got it figured out and my way is best. And so, yeah, I would say 20 years ago, I would have been like, no, absolutely not. I'm not going to do this. This is, this is wrong. This is demonic. This is dark. You know, all of those really close minded things. I would say even five years ago, it would have been something that would have made me very, very nervous because I was still kind of in that place with people influencing me where it's just that they, they put their blinders on, they get in their echo chambers and they're like, we've got it right. Other people don't. And like I said, a lot of the work that I've done is, is learning to trust my wife's gut, learning to trust my own gut. And so when I, when I sat down in that situation, it was, I was in a very hopeful place and I was, and I didn't, I didn't feel any of any like weird vibes, any darkness, it, it all felt very, very positive and very, very hopeful. And that was, yeah, that was, that was a huge, that was a huge benefit for me to go into it, not feeling, cause I feel like that's probably where bad trips come from, you know, is that you're, you're feeling uncomfortable. You're feeling like something is just not right. And, but that was, I, I had a very, very positive kind of entrance into this, you know, into that situation, just feeling like, wow, this is, this is good. And this is, this is a loving place, not a, not a dark place. And so what were your first experiences? What, when did you start to notice the effects of the psilocybin on that macrodose day? So on the, with the macrodose, I, when we, we were doing some breath work and I closed my eyes and the colors that I were, that I was seeing normally when you close your eyes and the sun's out, you see red. That's just how you would describe it is, oh, it's, it's kind of red, but it was like, wow, this is so much more vibrant. The vibrancy, the richness was just turned up. And that was my first hint that something was happening. I knew it was going to hit me pretty quickly. So I was, I was very, I was paying attention to all that because, you know, I haven't put stuff like this into my system before. So I knew that chemically things were gonna, gonna happen pretty quickly. That was the first thing I said, I need to go ahead and get up and, and, and go, go to a spot. And then when I really knew, I was like, okay, I have, I have left the station was when each individual blade of grass seemed to take on a life of its own. And yet it was moving in community with the rest of the grass. It was like when you go snorkeling and you see like, a bunch of seagrass that's all being controlled by the same current, but then just like on this crazy scale where every single blade of grass was doing that and was alive. And then it all started to take a geometric form and I could kind of blink my eyes and make it take different geometric forms. That was, that was when I was like, okay, this is, this is really happening. At that point, were you like, okay, I'm here for it? Were you feeling like, okay, let's do this? Or were you like, oh my God, this is crazy. <laughs> I, I was, I was like, let's do this. At that point, I mean, there's, there's no turning around at that point. I mean, as soon as I ate the honey, I was like, well, if this mushroom really does what they say it's going to do, there's no getting away from it. But kind of mentally there. I'm a very, I'm a very visual learner. What I, what I see is kind of how I process the world in a lot of ways. And so that was just a blast. Um, and it was interesting talking to a few of the folks on staff. They even said to me like, yeah, we had our doubts. 
about how this was going to go for you. And even in the moment, like, is this going to be good or not? And so like, I don't know what, what kind of vibe or appearance I was giving off for the, for the first part of it, but I was, I was having the time of my life. I was, I mean, to, to be able to see the world almost in a different dimension was really, really fun as a person who, who likes the visual arts, who kind of processes the world that way. So I was like, this is, this is fun. This is really, really good. So what happened next? Did you move or did you just stay there for a while? Oh, I felt like I stayed there forever. I felt like I, everything just slowed down and everything slowed down in a good way. It was like, I had permission to just, I had permission to just see, see what I was seeing in front of me and just to be in that moment. And that was such a wonderful freeing thing to do. And even, you know, I, but I still had in the back of my mind, like, okay, don't get bogged down here. If you start to, if, if, if you start to have other feelings, if other experiences start to happen, that's okay too. And then that was, that was what happened. I, I stayed physically in this, in the same spot for quite a while, but I had that kind of high moment of just, wow, the, the grass is so beautiful. I, I, I kind of zoned in on a little piece of lint for a long, long time, which made me laugh. Just that I, I felt like that's, that's something, you know, the little kids do or whatever. And I was doing it. And I was like, but this is great. But then really quickly, or, or at some point during, during that, that time, I was taken to the place where my wife's mother, who she is in a nursing home, she has lots of physical disabilities at this point in her life where basically she sits in the same position all day. She can't, she doesn't have the power to lift her head. She doesn't have the power to, to sit up even. And so I kind of found myself physically in the same position that I've witnessed her sit in physically. And it was like, I was taken there mentally with her. I was brought close to her kind of emotionally. And I just leaned into that. I said, wow, you know, it really sucks that this is what she has to go through, but I'm going to sit here with her and I'm going to, and when I go and visit her in the future, I'm going to, I'm going to sit there with her and I'm just going to, I'm just going to be with her. And I, and I just want her because she can still hear everything that we say. She can still communicate. And so we're going to, she's going to feel that we love her even if she can't move. But it was like in that moment I was taken there because of a physical posture that I took on. So yeah, I stayed in that same place for, for a while. And that particular posture and that whole idea, it took you into a place of, of empathy and you were having, was that kind of opening up some emotions of understanding of empathy at that point? Absolutely. Yeah. And that was, and that was a, I mean, I can't say honestly that, that Hannah's mom crosses my mind super often, you know, she's, she's not a person that I, that I think about every day. And so that one was a surprise for sure. That wasn't on my list of like, okay, I want to, I want to empathize with Hannah's mom. Like that was just came out of left field, but it just made total sense in the moment when, when you slow down like that and someone comes onto your mind, you go there, it's, it's a lot easier to go there. And, and like, like I said, it was a very, it was a very bittersweet place to go, but it was, you know, we have been encouraged to lean into those emotions. And I would say if I, if I was in the middle of my work day and I thought about her mom, maybe I would just say, oh, I've got to, I've got other things that I've got to do. But in that moment, it was like, this is, this is what I'm meant to be to be thinking about and this this is who I'm meant to be 
empathizing with right now. So let's do it. Wow. And so what, what did that turn into another door of empathy or another connection with another family member or what happened next? So I, I switched up the, the place where I was at, at that point. And that's one of the things that I wanted to make sure that I mentioned to anybody who is maybe on the fence about psilocybin is that you are, you are still totally yourself while you're doing this. And that was really, that was really good. And I would say that's, that's one of the reasons why I, why I don't get drunk, why I don't do other drugs is because I'm like, I like who I am and I want to, I want to stay who I am. And I don't, I like, what's the fun of why spend all this money on a bunch of alcohol and blackout and then not even remembering, you know, like, oh, I, I, I like to experience things. And that was one of the really beautiful things about psilocybin was that I still was totally myself. And so just wanted to make sure that the folks hear that, that, that you don't just go trip and then you're like, whoa, what happened? Like you, maybe you're a different version of yourself, but you are still totally yourself when you do this. I felt like I was a younger version of myself who was a lot more hopeful and a lot more, who paid a lot more attention to the world around me and not so much to all the worries and the anxieties. But so with that said, I, yeah, I could, I could, in the moment I could say, I need to get up. I need to move. I need to, to go do something different. That wasn't just other people coming and ushering me and making that happen. I was like, I need to do that. And obviously it was helpful to have someone make sure you get to a, a good place and a safe place. But yeah, I, I decided to do that. And I, I went over to a different spot. I laid down. I was listening to some, there, there was some music that was on at that point. I never really did the headphones. I never did the VR set. For me, I was, I was much more drawn to the natural things that were happening. Like I said, the grass, the sky, the, the trees, the leaves, but there was, there was some ambient music that was, that was odd. And that just led me to like a really funny place of, because it was, it was like some, it's like pop music that was on, but just instrumental. And I, I like to think of myself, I do my best to be like a music snob. And like, I worked at a coffee shop for a while with a lot of hipsters that were in their twenties. And so was, that was kind of the part of the job was like to, to listen to really obscure music. And I started thinking about a, a specific person that I worked with and just how much they would be making fun of me for really, you know, digging this pop music that was on and, and, and it, but it, but it was so funny because in, in like very, very, in a very like lighthearted, good way that this person would be messing with me. But it really, but then it was like, she was brought up to the, to the front of my mind. And, and so, and then, and then she was just like Hannah's mom. This was another person that I did not expect to really be empathizing with and to really be thinking a lot of, uh, about, but I did. And where it led me was just how kind of a person she is. And not only to me, but to my wife, to my daughter, she's a person that's, that's coming to our house and she babysits for us. She's a very kind person. And and I was just really, really surprised with just this joyful picture of this person and just reminded, wow, she needs to know how kind she is. She needs to know how compassionate she is and just how great of a person that she is. And so again, another high there and then, and then another low, a, a place of that, because that got me thinking about some other relationships that, uh, that I've had over the past couple of years that have not been great. And that, in fact, that I've had to walk away from. And there's one that happened very, very recently, I would say within two weeks before we came on the retreat, 
there was a situation where I, I had a friend who I've been friends with for uh, almost a decade that that friendship has had to end for one reason or another. And I knew in that moment that I had not grieved it, that I was, I was almost in denial in a lot of ways. I was thinking like, oh, maybe this friendship will come back around. But I got to the point where I was like, it's not going to, and that's okay. Grieve it and, and move on. And the beauty of the psilocybin there was that as I kind of closed my eyes and I, and I was thinking about that, I felt like the psilocybin helped me. It was almost like I got into a boat or I got into some kind of aircraft and it was, it was like, you've, you've got to, you've got to get in the boat. You've got to go do this work of the grief. You've got to get into that river of grief, but, but you're going to, you're going to have help with it. And I mean, I, I bawled my eyes out. I felt very, very alone because of processing through loss. I, you know, and especially these, these friendships that, that I'd had for a long time and that I had lost. It's really beautiful to me that it kind of starts with love that you were reflecting on that friend that is really, really important to you. You were able to see what a beautiful, loving friend that person was. And then it entered you into all the people that you had to walk away from. It's, it's kind of poetic the way it works. Yeah, it was a, definitely a balance. And then that was good too for it to balance because when I came out on the other side and I was processing through this stuff and, and talking to my wife about it, talking to you guys about it, yeah, it wasn't just a place of, well, all, all I did was cry and I grieved and it was really, really bad. But yeah, there was there was also parts of it that were very, very uplifting and, and good and and happy. And I mean, and I, I think that's how that's how life is. It's ups and downs, but I would say probably, and you know, when you go through trauma, you get stuck in the down. And then a lot of times you can't even, you can't even appreciate the, the up because you're just so bogged down in the down. And, and yeah, that was a, that was a very unique experience to, to go through, go through both of those. And I, and I'd say, I think that's one of the real benefits of psilocybin is it, it starts you on that journey of moving beyond the trauma, because I know that that's what I've been learning recently is that trauma is. It's not that trauma was and that and, and it happened and it's over. It's like, that's what trauma really is, is that it just stays with you. And we have to come up with ways to, to cut it loose and to, to free it. So did you feel that human empathy circling back around, like you were moving through a lot of grief for the people that you had to walk away from? Were you still able to reflect on empathy and for yourself and who you are and the knowledge that those are human beings that just aren't meant for you in your path or, or hadn't that evolved? Yeah. I mean, I would, I would say when I, when I look at those relationships, especially with the, with the guys that I was close to, yeah, I mean, I, I wish them well, I don't appreciate the ways that they let me down. I wish that it was different. I wish that I was still friends with those guys. It's not like the friendships ended because they moved, <laughs> you know, it was like, it was, choices that they made to either kind of directly hurt me and my family or to indirectly, you know, by just by negligence to hurt my family. I don't know. I, I don't think that I'm a person who really holds on to a lot of bitterness just in general already. So that wasn't, that wasn't tough to do, but I, 
I think kind of the, the entire process of, like, like I said, coming from a place of like arrogance to a place of more of humility and a more of trying to give, give people the benefit of the doubt. I would say that that's gotten better while at the same time been learning a lot about boundaries. And I definitely came through this situation too. Like I said, there was with, with the one guy in particular, I was still kind of at a place where I was like, well, maybe, maybe we could still have a relationship. But as I came through this, I was like, nope, the, the boundary is going up and the boundary is good. Um, and I'm not going to feel bad about that. And even if I get any pushback from him, if he, if he tries to come over that boundary, I'm not going to do it. It's not going to be in a mean way, but it's going to be in a way where I take care of myself and I take care of my family. And so there, there are like spikes all over the wall <laughs> to try to hurt there, but there's a, there's a wall there that's good for both of us, whether we can both see it or not. So in that softness of your psychedelic experience, the boundaries kind of unfurled and became strong and you were like, okay, I get it. I see it. It's, it's good. Yes. And I would say that that's been a, a, something that I've recognized, you know, we're two weeks out now, something that I've recognized about this experience is that I am a lot more confident in who I am. And I'm also confident in that if people don't, don't like who I am, then I'm okay with that too. And, and I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm done really letting the opinions of others impact the choices that I make, especially people that I, that are not in my inner circle. You know, obviously with my wife, with my daughter, with very close friends, I value their input. But if it's a person that's outside of that, I'm going to be who I am. And I'm not going to be apologetic about that. And, and I would say the seal of Simon really unlocked that door or maybe opened that door back up again saying, yeah, be, be who you are. You're great. And, and then enjoy who you are. And if people can't get on board with that, then those are people that you need to, to be around and whatever. Beautiful. So then what was your next place and experience? After a bathroom break, which was, which was like, but like I said, you're, you're still totally there and it's, it's not like you're just totally gone. You're, you're still yourself. You still can do all the things that you need to do with a little help. I, I moved over to the fireplace and just had a really, really wonderful moment. Like, like I said earlier, I'm very visual. And so to, to just slow down and to look at the fire, to look at the small bits of ash that were sticking to the, to the back of the fireplace. So you've got this, this really light ash on this dark charcoal back of the fireplace just became a galaxy. I mean, that's, that's one of the coolest things is like small things that we, that we don't pay attention to every day become these huge things and become things that are, that are worth slowing down and looking at and the world just kind of pulsates and moves and, and so had a, had another really great moment. When you spoke earlier about spending like a really long time on that piece of lint, it reminded me of that Dr. Seuss book, Horton Hears a Who. Have you ever read that to your daughter? Like there's like a tiny little world in there. So it's, it's just kind of funny. No, absolutely. And I, I, I don't know, I guess the trend for me is like these, these ups and downs with each experience, because then where that led me to was thinking about my wife, thinking about my daughter and really 
having just a sobering moment of like thinking, am I doing, am I, am I slowing down for them? Am I being, am I paying hundred percent attention to them when I, when I'm with them or am I just on my phone? Am I thinking about the work that I have to do the next day or, you know, whatever it might be, am I being distracted or am I, or am I being all in? So that was just another really good, good moment there. Like of saying, you only have a certain amount of time to be with your family. What are you doing with it? And then even again, thinking about friendships there as well. That was at that fireplace moment was the same thing. I, I actually went and journaled a little bit and I wrote down that I don't want to be an old man sitting by the fire alone. When I'm an old man, I want to, I want to have people around me, but I know that that takes work. Friendships don't just magically happen. They take work. They take investment relationships my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my daughter, all those are going to take work. And so that was another very sobering, but very good experience to have to say, okay, are you ready to, are you ready and willing to put the work in to these relationships? Oh, that's so beautiful. So then I'm just wondering at what point you reconvened with Hannah. Uh, it was pretty, pretty soon after that. I think that I went and had one other station and, and, Hannah was on my mind the whole time, but I, I was really focusing on giving her the space that she needed. Even, even while I was, you know, while the trip was happening, I, I was thinking that at, at each place that I was at, okay. And, and, and when different folks from the staff would come by to check in on me, I would, I would mention that. I would say, let Hannah know that if, and when she's ready for, for us to spend some time together, that that's great. You know, and I even saw her a couple of times as different folks were moving around, but I, I really focused on giving her the space that she needed. And then I got up, I moved again and I kind of passed by Hannah and I was totally prepared to just not even interact with her, but she saw me, her eyes lit up and we kind of held hands for just a second as I passed by and I, and I, and I really intentionally went and I, I got into a little alcove that was close to where she was. And I was just like, all right, I'm going to be here for her now. I was in other places, but I'm just, I'm just going to be here. I'm going to wait for her. Saw another Milky Way galaxy and some paint that had been spilled on some tile that was and just still really enjoying it uh, and just enjoying being there. And then, and then I, but I started to hear Hannah talk. And so I kind of poked my head around the corner and we just had this really fun moment where we were just laughing because we, we saw each other and she asked if she could come over and, and be with me. And it was like, we were both ready for that to happen. And then we just reconnected at that point and we were able to just to relate to each other that this was, this was a very, very high valence experience for us that we were really, really enjoying it, that it was really, really good. And then we were able to process through some things together that I, I knew that we both went in with a few things on our list of like, this, these are things that we need to deal with one, one relationship in, in general or in specific that we both needed to deal with. It was a former employer of mine who really hurt me. He hurt Hannah, he hurt our family, and we still have a lot of trauma and a lot of anxiety based around him. And so we, we just talked through that together and we both came, came out on the other side of that saying like, he doesn't have control over us anymore and he cannot, he cannot hurt us anymore. He cannot cause us pain. He cannot cause us anxiety. And we were both like, we're moving on from that. And it was just a really, really great thing. 
Wow, beautiful. And because it has to be the right time before a couple can kind of get together because the worlds that you're in, your experience, your perception is just so wildly different. But you guys were synced at that point enough to be able to process. It's beautiful. Yes, I would say on the on the introvert side of things. And so I found myself not only wanting to give her the space that she needed, but wanting to have that space myself really, really quickly on. I didn't want to be around other people. And, and it's funny how the personalities come out that way. There were a few folks on the, on the retreat that were much more kind of extroverted and moving around a lot. And I found myself kind of very aware of that and not wanting to be around those folks. And the staff, again, just did a phenomenal job of making sure that your experience was your own and that it was safe and that it was high valence and that it was very comfortable because I, I know that that was one of my initial reservations about doing a retreat like this was like, okay, are there, are we going to be holding hands in a circle with a bunch of 60 year old hippies? And is this just going to be super weird? It was absolutely not that it was a, it was a very, very good situation. And there's just something about, you know, I think in, in Western medicine, it's all about the individual because it's Western thought. And so you, you go and to the doctor by yourself and you take the pill on your own and you deal with your problems by yourself. And there's something really beautiful to do an experience like this with other people where you can look around and you can go, okay, I'm, I'm not alone. There's other people doing this. There are people older and wiser than me who have chosen to go on this journey as well. And they're doing okay. I can be okay too. They're opening up. They're leaning in to their grief. They're, they're dealing with their trauma. They're enjoying it. And that was really, really beautiful to, to do it as a retreat. And I think that's one of the, one of the, like I said, a reservation I had at the beginning and now on the other end, I'm like, no, that's why you want to do it that way. Because it's, it's a very, very good thing. Wow. Interesting. So as the day kind of closed and you and Hannah were able to retreat and go into your room. Specifically for us together, it was, it was really, really good. Even as we were kind of coming down off the effects, we were able to just enjoy being around each other. And then at, at dinner, for whatever reason, we weren't sitting next to each other. It was totally fine. And I would say what it, what it really did for me was it, it opened the door for me personally to to recognize, like I said earlier, that I, that, you know, when I was younger and a little more carefree, I was able to slow myself down. I was able to pay attention to the details. I was able to just appreciate experiences more just for what they were in the moment, what they are at the moment. And I found myself doing that even after the trip was over, where I was like, there's no reason I can't stop and look at this meal that I'm eating and appreciate it visually and, and then chew each bite and enjoy it texturally rather than just wolfing my food down like I normally would. There's no reason that I can't appreciate the way that this glass that my juice came in, the way that it feels and what it looks like and just really slow down. You know, I want to fully embrace the moments. And I found myself even at work doing that today. I, I work as an arborist and normally what we do is we just, we trim the trees up, we take the limbs that we've cut, we chip it up and it's on to the next project. But we took a little break and I just, rather than pulling my phone out 
sitting in the truck with the air conditioning on. I just sat on the grass and there, you know, we just cut all these limbs down and a robin is hopping around and looking at what it can eat. And I'm like, well, I have a, I have a front row seat to like, look at this robin and see the way that the robin behaves and what it's up to. But yeah, I found myself even, you know, on the other side to say my culture and myself are what's holding me back from slowing down. You don't have to do mushrooms to have those experiences. You can learn how to slow down. You can learn how to like what practices you need to do, whether it's the breathing or whatever it might be, you can get to a place where you can have a lot of these experiences without having to have the psilocybin. That being said, coming back home, how are you feeling about just moving forward as a family? Are you feeling that empowerment, as you mentioned, of like you've got new boundaries and just more positive and free to be who you are? Yes. And we just, we feel very energized for Hannah. You know, she, like I said, she's a lot more sensitive and she has gone through, she has really felt the trauma a lot more. What she has noticed is that things that maybe in the past would have really just totally shipwrecked her day aren't. And she's even, she said that to me in the moment, like, wow, normally if our daughter had done that, I would just be totally, it would, I would be done. I wouldn't be able to handle it, but I'm okay. And I, yeah, and I would say for me, it's, it's really energized me to, to say, okay, put the phone away, make sure that you're fully in these moments. Just if your daughter wants to play, then slow down and play with her because that's the more important thing is just being in the moment. That's what, you know, it's like those, those moments are going to build and build and build. These are the memories that she's making. And this is the foundation that she's building. And I want her to have lots of a, a big, broad foundation of me being present with her versus me just providing and not being present with her. So yeah, it's been a very, very positive thing for our family, both on the, on the, okay, let's, let's set up high valence situations. And then also, all right, we can deal with low valence things a little better. Um, or we can, we can throw boundaries up to where we're just not going to put ourselves, you know, with, with Easter happening this weekend, family baggage is going to be a thing, especially with, with all the church stuff that goes along with that. So like we, we had a very open and honest conversation about what, what this weekend is going to look like for us. Whereas maybe in the past we would just be like, well, we have to do this to please other people. We're like, no, we're the, our family is priority one here and we're going to make sure that that gets covered before we make any other decisions with this. So you also mentioned that you don't need the psilocybin to drop in the moment. The psilocybin helps you realize that. And it sounds like that's something that you want to move into more, that there's a lot of like worlds and worlds of beauty in your, in your own family and the trees around you and nature around you. Do you plan on just pulling more of these practices in? Is that who you want to become as you live the rest of your life? And I also remember you saying that you wanted to have more fires in the backyard and you wanted to spend more time with your daughter in the trees. And like, I just see this, who you are moving into this person who can slow down and really value, like, like you said, the friends, the fireplace, the trees. Yes. No, I mean, that those are all, those are all things that, that we want to do. And so obviously I have to, I have to make some decisions. You can't have more time in the day. You just have to change what you do with the time that you have. And, and so, yeah, and it's, it, it's worked out really well that it's the spring, you know, it's a lot easier to get outside, to have, 
to have a little fire pit thing going and, and all that set up. And so, but yeah, and then even just kind of moving, making those big decisions, just choosing to kind of set up our, set up our life in a way where we're, where we're set up for success, where we're set up for high valence. And I wonder, I, I think probably, and like I said, it's been two weeks for me. I, I'm, I'm planning on uh, having some more psilocybin within the next week. And what I'm learning is that you have to, you have to really think it through a lot more. You have to get organized. It was really, it felt almost effortless in Mexico because that's, that's your, that's y'all's job. You guys set that up. And so, but I need to go into it with the same kind of thought process here, like, okay, what, what do we need to do to make sure that this is going to be successful here? And I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm really interested to see what the effects of that will have moving forward. Because like I said, the, the macro dose and then the mini dose both really energized me and really put me in a good headspace to be able to, to make those choices, to prioritize my family and prioritize time with my family, just to prioritize slowing down. And so. I'll be interested to see if doing this at home has the same impact or not. I just have to mention that like you did use the term high valence a lot in this podcast and you've heard it first at Ellicinia, right? Yeah, that was the first time that I had ever heard that phrase and it's, but it's become, it's become something that we, that we say a lot. It's, it's almost kind of nice because it's just, it's like not, it's not something that you hear a lot. So it can be kind of a code for, for us as a family, but it's also just a very valuable useful way of thinking about things rather than just saying like, this is a good situation or this is a bad situation. Adding, adding a little more meaning to it using high valence is good. Even, you know, and as we started to say it, our daughter's like, what's high valence? Yeah. We, we started to explain it to her, you know, or like, it's like when you, it's like when you get in the bathtub and the, and the, the water temperature is just right. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. You know, or it's like when you put on a, you put on a pair of gloves and they fit you just right. They're not too tight. They're not too loose. And I mean, yeah, she's, she's a smart kid. So she's already totally understanding it. But yeah, it's like, it's, it's right. It, it feel, it feels right. Not necessarily feels good because that's the, I mean, for me, leaning into those moments of grief and of empathy where those moments were high valence looking at it maybe from a, from an objective point of view, you'd be like, oh, that's like grieving your friends. That's bad to do that. But it's like, no, it's actually, there's actually a lot of good, good value in that. I'm so happy to hear that because both you and Hannah are just so, you're, you're very, very deep, thoughtful people. So it's so cool to hear that you, you guys are using it as a language at home. And I just appreciate it so much. And you like hit the definition right on. And it means so much to me because it's hard to express sometimes how much work we get done in high valence situations where there is crying and a lot of pain coming out. So I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you, Zach. Thank you so much. Is there anything that we didn't hit on that you wanted to mention? I, I think that's it. I, I, I yeah, like, like I said, if, if you, if there's a person who's listening to this, who's a skeptic, know that you're not alone in that and that's okay. It's, it's good to think through things, but take the time to talk to the staff. They're more than happy to walk you through that and just know that the, one of the things that I said to Jessica as I was leaving the retreat was thank you for making this experience as normal as it can be. 
you know, and I know that there's, that's a big, a big part of it is to kind of embrace the abnormality of it, but it was very comforting to me that, that it, it felt, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think latch onto that term high valence. It was, it was comfortable and it was right. And it was, it was the situation that we needed to be in. And so just know that if you're, if you're coming from a place, if you're a person listening to this, who this is totally not in your normal paradigm, just know that there is a, there's a very, very high possibility that you can go and have it be a very rich, positive experience that you will, that will really help you in the future and that it's, yeah, it's safe and it's good. And yeah, it's just very, very positive. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Zach. It's just been such an honor. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening. You can find all the information that you need to learn everything about this retreat on EleusiniaRetreat.com. We are a retreat that offers ongoing integration support, breathwork classes, and cultivation support after you have attended this retreat. It's an amazing experience that's one of its kind. If you're looking for a science-based retreat, something out of the box, something to change your life, something to add to your practice, this is where you really need to start, eleuseniaretreat.com.